Hi everyone, I'm Dan Herman. Welcome to this program that I call Idealistic Stats. It goes back several years in my history of doing shows. I first did Idealistic Stats maybe three or four years ago. I can't quite remember. But I had long wanted to express my love of sports alongside the other podcasts I do, which are music-related. This one, much more sports-related. And the website is idealisticstats.wordpress.com. And it's a blog I've begun, again, going back maybe about 10 years or so as an overall blog for my uh, thoughts outside of the radio stuff, outside of the... uh, matter of uh, airing music. I've since developed my love of sports within the realm of stats and my own take on why stats work, how they work, and how I apply them to different sports, mainly uh, baseball, golf, horse racing, uh, racing and other sports. Those are my focuses. This particular program will examine Two big races. You know about them, of course, the Kentucky Oaks on May the 4th and the run for all those roses, the Kentucky Derby itself on Cinco de Mayo, May the 5th, 2018. These programs are available through a device called Anchor, well, really a website called anchor.fm slash idealisticstats. You can also find it through the Internet Archive under the same title, Idealistic Stats, for May the 1st, 2018. I may go back to a regular series. I haven't done this in a while, but I felt these races that are coming up are so special. It deserves a, an audio program all to itself. And on a regular basis, I may chime in with other thoughts about golf as the PGA Tour continues to build. And maybe baseball as we get into uh, particular events during the year. That's kind of how I see things. Horse racing still my big favorite, my favorite really to talk about. And I will reintroduce to you the concept of this program. I also will give you some thoughts on the Derby Trail, how it unfolds, and also my Derby Trail, my version of the points and the earnings on how they should have been allocated. Plus, we go horse for horse for the Oaks and the Derby. And at the end, I'll give you how I would wager both races. Email address is cblue456 at gmail.com. My thanks to you in advance for listening to this program and taking a chance on hearing about uh, my interest with horse racing. Going back to really when I was a kid, my dad was uh, something of um, his own sort of handicapper. And I don't know where he came up with the idea of... uh, wagering on horses in the first place. Frankly, I don't even know if he ever wagered on a horse race, but I know he liked to play on paper for the most part, reading the New York Daily News and uh, maybe the New York Post. And uh, there would be a number of handicappers he would try to take the consensus of, I think, and try to play the numbers in some sensible way, make sense of it all in some way. I never really got into his system and figured how he did what he did. But uh, I sat along with him and uh, tried to figure it out. And uh, we would watch the racing. It was it would be on Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. on WOR TV in New York, which became WWOR, which later became uh, not WB. I forgot what syndicated network it was, but uh, WOR Channel 9 in New York, New Jersey, would have racing from Aqueduct. Uh, always uh, coming after the outer limits at five o'clock, and that was a great time. That was a great station where you'd have uh, pro wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, that fake wrestling stuff. 
that I would watch too. That was on at a, at a, at noon. I think it was on at uh, what time was it? Was it on at five? I think it was. Maybe it on like after. I think it was on like three times a day for an hour each. And uh, the uh, racing depended on which New York track was available. If it was from mid-October to um, end of April, it would be Aqueduct. If it was during Belmont's uh, season, it would be Belmont. And if it was late April to late August, early September, it would be Saratoga. Ah, the spa. A show hosted by... Oh, God... Who was it? Marshall Cassidy, Frank Wright, Chelsea Kenty were the three hosts of the program. I believe it was all tape delay, same uh, same day coverage of the two races, the main featured race of the day and the last race, the ninth race, uh, very typically on the card. And then 11.30 p.m., it would be the Pacers and Trotters harness racing from either Roosevelt Raceway or Yonkers and... Uh, 11.30 p.m. on Saturday evenings. Both shows sponsored by New York City All-Track Betting as well. And as they used to say in those OTB commercials, bet with your head, not over it. Still a good credo. Gotta know your limitations. I'm not shy in saying if you have a problem, there is a program called Gamblers Anonymous, 1-800-GAMBLER. My love of horse racing and following it really took hold in 1998... I think it was the uh, year I decided to go to the track for the first time myself and uh, really a secret I kept for myself to see if I really could be savvy enough to uh, wager money that I had earned. I actually started going 2008, not 1998, and I would go to uh, Aqueduct most often, and a few times I went to beautiful Belmont Park. Never been to Saratoga. I actually didn't go to... Uh, Parks, except there was a job interview once at uh, Parks I had uh, I'd gone to when the time I lived in Philadelphia. Outside of that, uh, I my home track is Emerald Downs. I did work there one season in uh, 2015, and been there maybe three times. Enjoyed the experience. Took DJ Flower Dove, uh, producer of uh, this program, and. Uh, of Radio Crystal Blue, my other uh, podcasts, plan to go again this season as well. I love the sport. I love the idea of making some money, and I haven't exactly won money at the track over years, but developed my own system, and part of the idolistic stats nature, I like to uh, figure out the races, and I think you can actually beat the races, but my system is such that I like to focus on a spectrum of stats somewhere between what a horse is inherently capable of doing all the way through what happened in the most recent race and what can take place between that time period and today. You know, such as uh, the move by a trainer, uh, workouts, anything from the last race that looks interesting that the trainer may be anticipating and make adjustments for. And there's a lot of variables, and I mean, it's beyond the scope of the show to describe every single variable and give away my system, but I have my methods, my madness, and I'm very happy to uh, share with you my thoughts on major races, and I hope this will be a program that I can uh, go back to doing on a weekly basis. What I really would like to do is uh, get some music uh, for this program so that it would be uh, not just some dry read, but also something uh, fun to listen to as well. 
Outside of horse racing, uh, I, well, I devoured Wild World of Sports and uh, other sports that I would watch on the weekends. It was that important to me, whether it was a PBA tour on ABC or other sports I had interest in. I never really gambled in any of those sports, though. Uh, horse racing was it. Kentucky Derby was always humongous, and I would turn a sound up in the home when I was a kid, loud to sort of uh, be immersed in the experience. I think I first the first derby I saw on television was 1979, I believe, Spectacular Bids uh, uh, win in the derby. That was the first big race, along with watching uh, the syndicated coverage. Uh, maybe the same age and continued through the years. And love has never waned. Um, again, I started wagering in 2008, playing on paper and picking the top four finishers of the Belmont, the one that uh, Rags to Riches had won by a nose. I thought, you know, I may have something here. I had a very early version of my current system, which I did in going to the track on July 7th, 2007, not 2008, the day that Taylor Vacati won his first race, and he's since become a leading sire and uh, also later won the Wood Memorial. July 7th, 07. That was uh, 7707 as I uh, was at Aqueduct that day for a um, memorable experience. Actually, wagering win, place, and show. And over time, I have only played wins and exactus. And I'm not afraid to say I'm a cheap better. Wins for $2 each and exactus for one. And also coming up with a sense of who might be overlays. Horses that are somewhat ignored by the public, but ones I could play with each other in my contenders and also over favorites as well as uh, straight up to win. I'm not afraid of betting long shots when I have to. There's uh, more to the story. Uh, I was one of the many that couldn't believe that Mind That Bird won the Derby some years back and led me to wanting to take handicapping much more seriously and got Dave Liffin's uh, great book on expert handicapping and that opened my eyes to the matter of understanding the role of trainers as well as uh, pace cross races and so my system owes largely to Dave Liffin's uh, work among others. I like the Brisnet speed ratings which I think is the best example of uh, horses and how they are over a lifetime as well as what they've done in their most recent races. I also like the fact that Brisnet presents concisely a horse's uh, true uh, run style and also the details about uh, uh, call points where a horse is at during a race and how far he trails or is ahead on the lead. And there's so much more. It's just so comprehensive, better than uh, other uh, programs. I think we've come full circle at least with this topic because I'm going to take a break right about here. When I come back, I'll give you some details about the Enlightened Derby and Oaks Trails and how they looked for this past year and what they're all about and how they uh, factor in terms of the actual trails. You're listening to the Idolistic Stats Podcast. It is time for a short intermission. You may grab a drink, snack, or use the restroom. Just press pause and continue play when you're ready or enjoy the music of DJ Flower Dove.
And now, back to our program. Welcome back. Dan Herman here on Idolistic Sats and here to talk about the Enlightened Derby and Oaks Trails. My version of the trails, something I put together back in 2014. And I remember posting to the blog, essentially wanting to understand why some horses belong and some didn't. Wondering why the real-life trails were set up so that category of horse, that if your horse didn't get points and really needed that last X amount of points to make the final 24, why was it set up so that they must race on something other than dirt? I, so I thought a prep race was just that, to prepare one for what was to come. We all know that no thoroughbred on this side of the Atlantic will see a field of 19 others at any time before or after. And also... It's all but impossible to find a 10 furlong race that the cold or place should run to prepare for the 10 furlongs of the derby. And it makes matters worse when there are races on the trail that don't measure up or get lost in the shuffle compared to the big races, the grade 1, 3-year-old races that dwarf the marginal, ungraded ones in terms of points and stature. Some blog posts shaped my thinking over the years, like J.J. Uh, Heisel, the Louisville, Kentucky-based rider on all things thoroughbred racing and the creator of the blog In the Money, who gathered a quote from trainer Kieran McLaughlin, who trains Cairo Prince in the uh, 2014 Derby. And the interview was dated March 27th, weeks before Cairo Prince was withdrawn due to his injured left front ankle. Kieran says, quote, right now, to win on different services around the world and get 100 points for each race or 50 points and then have proper dirt preps that have been there forever and the Breeders' Cup be worth just 10 points... I just don't understand. Kieran was quoted by another um, writer for Bloodhorse.com who says, If you want 20 of the best horses to get in the gate for the Derby, you have to give equal weight to everybody. You can't penalize people for winning prep races. What if you have no points? My own point was that the system is here for the long term, but I wanted to change things up or make proper suggestions that will affect that change. What I did and what I do is this. I have one representative race for each track, major and minor. Major being a track where the best race that would logically fit on the Derby Trail or Oaks Trail uh, be a, a graded race, graded one, two, or three, or otherwise a uh, listed race. And then after listed, you have all the ungraded stakes. And if they're, if the best horse by that track happens to be ungraded, so be it. For the most uh, recent trail, for example, you have, let's take a, a, my home track, Emerald Downs. The best race that would fit on the trail is the Godstein Futurity. A purse of $65,000. It's eight and a half furlongs. Not a graded race. But it is the most important race that would fit on the trail. Because if you look at all the two-year-old races for um, the season, their season that runs from April through uh, September, it's the only race that would fit. And there is a little bit of racing for three-year-olds, but nothing that would coincide with the actual trail. So that was the race I chose. And then I would take a look at every single track 
using the services of bloodhorse.com and figure out over time which race would be represented for each track. Saratoga, it was easy. The Hopeful, a seven furlong race that uh, is a grade one race, $350,000. That was on September 4th. On that same day, there was a Del Mar Fraternity in Cali, grade one, $300,000, also seven furlongs. And three-year-old racing, grade one racing, certainly gets priority over the others. And the only exception I made for a second race would be the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Wherever it would be held would be given um, as a second option for uh, a track, as a major event. Otherwise, lots of tracks represented were on the minor category. Prairie Meadows, Wyoming Downs, Albuquerque, the uh, California Fairs, Monmouth Park's best race, uh, the Sapling, and I would create divisions, uh, geographical divisions. One for the Northeast, basically the New York tracks, as well as uh, in Woodbine in Canada. The California tracks, all the southern ones, and all of the ones in the heartland in uh, and around Kentucky. And then a fifth division with just those minor tracks, the ones whose best race was uh, an ungraded race. And for purposes of the trail, what I did was start from all races going for two-year-olds from July through December, and then in January for three-year-olds from January 1st all the way through the second week in April or whenever the last prep races for the real trail were running, which in this case is uh, Oakland Park and the uh, Arkansas Derby for the uh, Colts. And then for the uh, Phillies, it would be the Fantasy Stakes on April the uh, 13th. So with those two trails set, I would assign points. Uh, three-year-olds get higher points than the two-year-olds, and graded racing getting bigger scores than the ungraded ones. So there was a sort of logical, uh, my own sense of a logical trail that would go along, and I would take the top four horses in each geographical division, plus four more in the minor division, and that's just for the uh, Colts. For the Phillies, I would put three in each geographical division, and two from the minors. I'd be pretty happy if I had at least 14 horses, maybe even 12 horses, from my version of the trail that get to the gate in the real derby. And for the Oaks, 10 horses I think would be uh, sufficient. And if there's less, that's fine. My cry gets louder because I believe there should be some sort of balance and better representation from the smaller tracks. And as I think it's just too top-heavy, seeing horses running at the same major tracks have so much of an influence. Generally, I think the real trails get it right, but I'm offering a little bit of a uh, an alternative. I have linked onto my Google Drive the spreadsheets for the Derby and Oaks trails. You can see each race on them and also the total, uh, well, the leading horses from each division from the conclusion of the trails. And for the Oaks in the minor category, Go Nani Go, Smokin' Patty Lassie. In the Northeast, My Miss Lily, Sarah Street, and Separation of Powers. From Cali, Midnight Bizu, Spectator, and Caledonia Road. In the South, Andina Del Sur, Chocolate Martini, and Coach Rocks. And from the Heartland Division, Monoway Girl, Eskimo Kisses, and Sassy Sienna. From the Derby Trail, here were my 20 horses. From the Miners, Primo Touch, Paste, VIP Code, and Take Charge Deputy. From the Northeast, Vina Rosso, Enticed, Ferenc Fire, and Sporting Chance. In the South, Noble Indy, Audible, Hofberg, and Lone Sailor. 
in Cali justify both Yoro core beliefs and instilled regard. And from the heartland, Blended Citizen, Good Magic, Magna Moon, and Flameway. Those are the trails, and hopefully it makes more sense if you would like to read further. See all my posts going back to 2014 about the trails in general, and they're all there for you at idealisticstats.wordpress.com. Take a break right here as we go into, finally, my thoughts on the Kentucky Oaks as we go horse for horse in the big field of 14 fillies. That is all coming up next here on Idolistic Stats. You're listening to the Idolistic Stats podcast. It is time for a short intermission. You may grab a drink, snack, or use the restroom. Just press pause and continue play when you're ready, or enjoy the music of DJ Flower Dove. Program. Dan Herman here on Idolistic Stats, the website idolisticstats.wordpress.com. Email is cblue456 at gmail.com and I'm on Twitter at Idolistic Stats. This program has been uh, aired for some time, but I want to get back to the swing of things as we get into the major uh, races of the season, as you'll probably next hear me when we get to the uh, Preakness Stakes in uh, two weeks. This show recorded on May the 1st, same day that the Derby past performances were released. And I want to go horse for horse here regarding the Kentucky Oaks being run on Friday, May the 4th. And what I'll do is essentially go horse for horse on this and give you my thoughts about... Uh, each horse as uh, there, as I look at them uh, with you. We know, of course, that this is a nine furlong race just for fillies, and it's being run at uh, 612 Eastern, 312 Pacific. And I'm only just looking at my notes in total here. What I do is look at the horses with my sense of odds and also determine who the overlays might be. I also look at what horses may be taking more money and those that may take less, and also a sense of who may be running a very good pace and those who might end up running slower. Though it's still kind of an inexact science as to comparing these horses along the lines of uh, pace. I try to examine horses based on their um, their winning examples and seeing if there's any kind of pattern that uh, lent itself to a winning pace. So here we go. Number one, 
is Sassy Sienna, owned by the China Horse Club and Medallion Racing, bred by Haymarket Farms. The trainer is Brad Cox. The rider is Gary Stevens. Looking over my notes here, uh, Sassy Sienna needs a very fast pace throughout to uh, win uh, among those who will be uh, setting the pace, in fact. But uh, overall, I just don't like this filly. She did win her uh, maiden race uh, last July in Indiana Downs, also an optional claiming race earlier this year at Oaklawn Park. Also, the winner of the aforementioned Fantasy Stakes. Nothing really uh, compares this horse very favorably to the horses that are in the field, not even for my odds or any horses in particular in uh, contention. So I am going to pass on this horse, who is a morning line of 15 to 1. Number two, we come to a legitimate contender in Coach Rocks, owned by West Point Thoroughbreds and also Roddy J. Valente Rap Racing, and trained by Dale Romans. Jockey is Luis Saez. Coach Rocks took a number of races to break her maiden, and then won in the Gulfstream Park Oaks. She has the best uh, average-winning distance uh, tied to her pedigree, with uh, Sire being Oxbow, whose own Sire was awesome again. And on the dam side, Mexican Moonlight, out of El Prado. Sire stats indicate 7.8 AWD. Dam is 7.5. The best numbers out of this entire field of 14. Coach Rocks in her two most recent races. Both were wins. Both well uh, better than her previous races with Brisnet Speed Fritigers in the 90s. It may suggest a bounce or otherwise she may do even better from there. I see she's the one horse who had a great trip first time after layoff and actually increasing in her speed figure at the second call and also gained on a leader by length in that very same race. My own odds suggest she is 9-5. to five. The morning line says 12-1, to one, and I think she is one of several overlays in this race. She needs uh, about an average pace to win, and uh, kind of a changeable horse who's both an early and pressing kind of a horse, rather versatile, maybe average to somewhat slow for a pace to win, and could very well do that. I love playing the uh, future wager, and I actually wanted to mention that earlier. The future wager has become my favorite way of uh, wagering. And these uh, oaks were up for the future wager back in March. I made several win bets as well as Exactus, and I know I involved Coach Rocks in a few of those bets. Number three is Classy Act, trained by Brett Calhoun, written by Brian Hernandez Jr. Classy Act, losing blinkers for this race. Noting here that she may have the best tactical speed of the field. Her last three first call numbers for this pure sprinter were 111, 104, and 99. After winning uh, a maiden race with her debut on turf, she won a 50,000 uh, optional claimer race, her first race beyond a mile, second in the Rachel Alexandra, and fourth in the aforementioned Fairground Oaks, actually. Classy Act, I mentioned, has ideal tactical speed. I also like the amount of uh, changes that were made by Brett Calhoun in prep. She has at least one shipping winner of credit and switches jockey from Castellano to Hernandez, with which uh, she won both of her lifetime races. And, of course, I also mentioned the uh, 
removal of blinkers for the first time in five races. I also am intrigued by the fact that she's the only sprinter in this field of 14, and that can be very significant. Not only that, uh, she's been off since March 24th and is put in four works, all at Churchill, and all four of those works very fast, one a bullet work being the first out of 52 fillies running at five furlongs with a speed of 59 seconds. So you could say, I like Classy Act very much in this race. Number four is Chocolate Martini, who had won three of her last four races, including the Fairground Oaks, was uh, claimed by Thomas Amos before the uh, second of those three wins. Chocolate Martini had rather forward pace progress in those last two races with scores in the uh, 90s and is a possible uh, bounce risk uh, as she had 73 prior to that, which was before she was uh, claimed. So she is something of a different filly. I don't have her uh, factored at all in my wagering for odds. Actually, I take it back. I have her at 17 to 1 and her morning line is uh, 12 to 1. So the odds are relatively fair, not someone I'm going to use in my selections. Briefly back to Classy Act. I do like that horse uh, very much. I think she is ideal at uh, 2 to 1. The actual odds morning line are 15 to 1. So this is another of my uh, overlays. In fact, I like her uh, second in my picks to Coach Rock, so I think will win the Oaks. Number five is Wonder Gadot, winner of the Grade 2 Demoiselle and the Grade 3 Mazarin, and also her debut, which was a $74,000 race at Woodbine uh, late last summer. Wonder Gadot, I kind of liked in the uh, future wager, but didn't seem to add up at all in my uh, rankings with all the variables I use. One thing I did like is that she gained on the leader in the fantasy stakes and did end up closing, uh, losing to Sassy Santa by a, uh, a nose. But uh, I don't see her really excelling here in this race. Wonder Gadot, a late-running horse who depends on a rather slow speed uh, to win there, uh, thereby, and frankly, a pace collapse, especially if the race starts out uh, very slowly. That's what I see here. Chocolate Martini, I want to go back to uh, that filly. She needs a constant fast speed all throughout. Classy Act uh, is a sprinter, I mentioned, who needs a super fast pace that uh, tails off just a little bit as the race goes. That's her winning pattern. We'll go to uh, number six, Kelly's Humor, who won her first two races lifetime, including the uh, Ellis Park debutante was second in the Pocahontas, second in the Beaumont. Kelly's humor, also not much of a factor, but she is one race removed from a layoff, and she did increase her second call speed by a little bit from the Goldenrod in November to the Beaumont at Keeneland in uh, April this past month. So there's a little bit of love for Kelly's humor, ultimately not going to be factored in uh, my wagering. We come to Raya. Raya, who has all five of her races run at the Maiden Race Course in Dubai, and winner of the uh, UAE Oaks, second by long, long distance to Mendelssohn, who was in the Derby, of course. That race was the UAE Derby itself. Raya, a 
very strong horse, really can't be um, ignored. But what I had to do, and what I do lately, is to look at the Racing Post website for the uh, Racing Post ratings and adjust my numbers from there to come to an equivalent for the Brisnet uh, speed figures. Given that, I kind of feel that... Uh, she actually tailed off and somewhat bounced in her proper pace in the UAE Derby last time out, and I sort of taken the stand that she will bounce back in this race. Actually gains a little bit on Mendelssohn, uh, in fact, by the second call in that race. I feel she is worth uh, 17 to 1 odds. The uh, morning line is uh, 12 to 1. I don't like her all that much, but maybe some of the best of the rest of the horses, as opposed to my uh, top four. Not sure of uh, Raya's uh, pace uh, parameters, so I can't give you an idea on like uh, how she should run to win. I neglected to mention Kelly's Humor, who is uh, one of the early presser type horses who needs a very fast pace throughout her runs to have a shot at winning. We'll go to number eight. And heaven has my Nikki, one of the long shots of this field. She uh, won her maiden debut and then won a 75k optional claimer race, fourth in the Ford Gal, third in the Devona Dale. She is the uh, only horse of this field to win right off layoff. Also had gained on the leader in her previous race, though she would end up finishing third in the Devona Dale. It's a horse I kind of like just a little bit, maybe as uh, low as 60 to 1, I think it's pretty accurate odds. Uh, she is about 50 to 1 morning line, so probably not going to use her. Also a, a rank outsider. I kind of feel that she needs a rather slow pace throughout the race uh, to win. And we'll see, I guess, if that will take place. Number 9 is Take Charge Paula. And it's a horse who is um, much to consider if we have an off-track uh, situation, and it's likely because there is rain in the forecast, last I checked, for Louisville, Kentucky. Her lone uh, race that was off-track was the House Party Stakes, which she won with lifetime best 97 Brisnet at Gulfstream in December. The fastest of off-rating uh, races in this field of 14. Besides all that, um, I don't give her much of a chance. I think 15 to 1 is uh, a stretch. I don't think she's even nearly uh, that strong of a contender, even with um, anything less than the fast tracks. So I'm willing to take a pass on Take Charge Paula. Number 10 is uh, Midnight Bizu, and I actually wanted to mention here Take Charge Paula generally needs an average pace who does her best running on the backstretch. Midnight Bizu. Needs a uh, slow pace to win. Midnight Bizu, one of the big favorites of the race by the uh, the suggestion of the morning line. She was second in her maiden debut, second in the Desi Arnaz, winner of the Santa Inez and Santa Isabel and the Santa Anita Oaks. She is one of those who had succeeded pretty well in terms of her pace, increasing her lifetime best by a small margin in almost every race. In her five lifetime, three wins and two seconds. Also gains on the leader by a few lengths in the Santa Nita Oaks by the uh, second call. Very interesting runner. Uh, can't possibly throw her out. But curiously, um, I don't really like her all that much. Uh, I don't even rank her 
very highly among those. I'm actually going to take a strong stand against her. It's just a matter of class. I just don't see her measuring up. Go to horse number 11, My Miss Lily, who in four races is uh, two wins and two-thirds, winning her maiden debut, and also the winner of the grade two gazelle last time out. Uh, she excelled from 86 to 99, Brisnet, and it may suggest a bounce. The 99 score is the fastest of those who have run at nine furlongs. I like that she um, has that forward... Uh, piece in her recent scores it does match the track par of the uh, course which is 99 as well and uh, frankly i have to take something of a stand against her but i don't know if i can throw her out completely i just uh, know that she can be something of a threat my odds say 13 to 1 uh the morning line odds say 10 to 1 um, don't know if i'm going to use her in this one number 12 is patrona margarita a winner of the Pocahontas back in uh, September at Churchill Downs. Patrona Margarita is um, also someone who I uh, don't know if I like all that much. Uh, she didn't rank anywhere in my variables. I can tell you that she would need a uh, pace collapse to win uh, something of a fast pace early on that slows to a crawl uh, late in this race for this uh, closer. Don't like her at all. Can't even give you uh, proper odds for this one. 13 is Eskimo Kisses. This is a horse I really uh, favor. She took four tries to win her maiden debut. And after doing that, she excelled with a Brisnet score in the 90s, winning a $62,000 optional claimer race. Then second in the Fairground Zooks and second in the Grade 1 Ashland at Keeneland's back on April the 7th. I like that she had her recent uh, scores, though, with three scores in the 90s, ahead of her scores in the 80s. I have to wonder if maybe she'll take a downturn here. But she might not. She, With her score as uh, 91, it's actually the fastest uh, of those whose last race were a troubled non-winning trip. She had circled the field of seven, going four wide, and was pretty willing to win that race. Ultimately, did finish second to Monomoy Girl, who we'll get to as number 14. Eskimo Kisses may have revenge on her mind, and I, uh, I like this one as a bit of an upset. Okay, a, a really big upset. Also, she's the, uh, only deep closer in the field, so she has to be considered as a strong candidate. I actually like her, my odds being 9 to 1, morning line odds are 15 to 1. Overall, I like her fourth in this race. Also, she needs uh, something of a pace collapse, something that is fast early and then trails off to average later on. Finally, Monomoy Girl, who has uh, a great career, six races, five wins, one second, the only blemish being second in the Golden Rod. Monomoy Girl has the best uh, track performance of this field. Uh, she had raced for 97 and 99 scores here at Churchill uh, last fall. 
I see also that she would be measured as the pure speed of the field with the last four runs all in the 90s. And certainly um, a strong, consistent pace makes her a viable candidate. I like her at roughly odds of 5-1. to one. Morning line is 2-1, to one, so not too big on wagering her uh, for value that much, but would have to add her as a, uh, a favorite among those that I consider the overlays. I actually like her for as well as third in this race. Kind of a middle-of-the-pack horse for the most part, pretty uh, average racing. And uh, that's how I see Monomoy Girl and the uh, Kentucky Oaks. Here's my top four. It'll be two, three, 14, and 13. Coach Rocks with the win. Classy Act for second. Those are two overlays. And then Monomoy Girl for third. And then another overlay, Eskimo Kisses for fourth. If I were wagering based on these odds, I'd probably go with Monomoy Girl over the uh, three overlays. I would also put the uh, win bets on those three overlays and also maybe Midnight Bizu over uh, Eskimo Kisses as well. Three horses I am going to predict will take more money than the others. My Miss Lily, I think, may become the... Uh, Wise Guy Horse, the one who, uh, one long shot who, uh, may take more money than others. I think Monomoy Girl probably deserving to take more money, as well as Chocolate Martini. The horses that I think will be ignored by the public will be Coach Rocks, as well as Heaven Has My Nikki, Raya, Classy Act, and most notably Coach Rocks. The uh, future wager impact is uh, there, and here is how I wagered this uh, race previously. Going back to the month of March, the series of wagers I, well, kind of screwed up because I just didn't have time to put in the exacta box that I wanted to do with my uh, top choices, so I may have missed out with uh, the big money. But... Uh, Here's what I did end up uh, doing. $2 win bets on Monomoy Girl at 6 to 1, Wonder Godot at 21 to 1, and Coach Rocks at 60 to 1. I used individual exactas of Monomoy Girl, Wonder Godot, and Coach Rocks over and under the field selections. And that's it. Chris, I, what I wanted to do were an exacta box of those three horses to each other, so I may have missed out on some real value. But I guess that's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> Gonna take a breath here and a break, and we'll come back for the 20 horse Kentucky Derby after this. You're listening to the Idolistic Stats Podcast. <laughs> It is time for a short intermission. You may grab a drink, snack, or use the restroom. Just press pause and continue play when you're ready, or enjoy the music of DJ Flower Dove.
And now, back to our program. Welcome back to Idolistic Stats. I'm Dan Herman. Show being recorded May 1st, 2018, soon after the announcement of the 20-horse field for the Run for All Those Roses, the Kentucky Derby and Churchill Downs. This uh, program, of course, you can hear on uh, several different uh, podcast platforms uh, to be revealed and announced uh, onto the page, which is idolisticstats.wordpress.com. And uh, Twitter is idolisticstats. Email is cblue456 at gmail. I'm going to take a sidestep here and mention the future wager, which has become my favorite way to wager in this sport. I frankly kind of wish that the uh, wager was available on uh, races besides the Derby and the Oaks. My very first wager years ago through uh, Twinspires.com was a future wager bet along with uh, a few other horses, including Animal Kingdom, who won the Kentucky Derby. And for me, it was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was 30 to 1, I think, were the odds doing better than uh, what he went off for on uh, Derby Day. And I was hooked. I've won a few big scores since, uh, winning exacta on Orb a few years back. And last season, I gave you, if you follow my blog, the win and exacta of last year's Kentucky Oaks. The tune of like $550 all told. Missed out on the Kentucky Derby, uh, didn't pick the winner, always dreaming, but I, I recognized after the fact that uh, always dreaming was sort of uh, coming around to his uh, pace numbers. So uh, there wasn't much evidence, but a little bit to suggest that he was potential winner. What I do with the future wagers uh, are a series of wins and exactas. That's really the only options you really have to uh, uh, wager going back to uh, these days, back to November in the uh, first pool. And here's how I did the wagers for this season. In the first pool, I gave you $2 win bets on Avery Island, 29 to 1, Enticed, 29 to 1, Free Draw Billy at 33 to 1, Good Magic at 11 to 1, and Untamed Domain at 29 to 1. A $1 box of Bolt Dior went 7-1, plus enticed Good Magic and The Field. In pool number two, $2 win bets on Bolt Dior at 8-1, Salomini at 19-1, Sporting Chance at 33-1, Tis Mischief at 71-1, Untamed Domain at 41-1. Exactus with Bolt over Free Drop Billy and The Field, Free Drop Billy over Bolt and The Field, Good Magic over Bolt and The Field, and a box between Bolt and Good Magic. I also wagered the uh, Sire Future Wager, and I'm looking pretty good with great representation of those who made it to the Derby. I took Curlin at 6-1, to one, Into Mischief at 16-1, to one, Scat Daddy, I did, at 26-1, to Tappet at 8-1, to one, and Union Rags at 28-1. to one. How about pool number three? Well, the $2 win bets went to Bravazo at 40-1, to one, Catholic Boy 21-1, to one, and Free Drop Billy at 44 to 1. My dollar exactas were a box of Boltioro, Free Drop Billy, and Good Magic, as well as uh, those three over and under the field to each other. And yeah, from there we go to number 4, a final pool. And here's what I did Flame Away at 42 to 1, Salamini at 25 to 1, and Audible. And seven to one. The one dollar exactas were a box of Boltioro, Enticed, and Good Magic, and also playing those three over and under the field of, uh, get this, seventeen to one. 
lot of ground to cover here as we go to the 20 horse field for the Kentucky Derby. I haven't really thought of what to write in terms of the analysis, but it's going to go like this. On the rail, number one, Ferenz Fire at 50 to 1. The uh, winner of the Jerome at Aqueduct, winner of the Champagne last fall, and also the Grade 3 Sanford at Saratoga. Looking through my numbers, I don't see him in my odds nor my list of contenders here. I'm going to take a pass on uh, this one. Friends Fire, one of the big, deep closers of the field, uh, likely needs a rather average pace, a little on the fast side uh, for any chance, but I don't see it happening. I mentioned number two, Free Drop Billy, uh, hooked up with all my wagers, probably the big money horse for me, rooting with my wallet as well as, well, not so much my heart. He did win the Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland uh, back in October. I mean, I do like him just a uh, a tiny bit. Uh, he did seem to uh, uh, rank pretty well in terms of his most recent pace, running from uh, scores in the 90s in his last three races. But I think he's setting up for a bounce. He does require uh, one late run and a pace that should collapse to something on the uh, slow side, but uh, not someone I would seriously think would win a race. And again, rooting more from my wallet's perspective than anything else. So uh, not going to choose Free Drop Billy in my wagers. Number three is Promises Fulfilled. He is the only pure sprinter of this field. He won the uh, grade two Fountain of Youth with a 104 score, bounced to a 67 in the Florida Derby. Yeah, there's a question about his stamina. But I'm rooting for the bounce back, as I usually do. And, of course, you know that uh, being the lone sprinter, I must give him some love. I think he's worth 7-1. to one. Morning line says 30-1. to one. And I like promises fulfilled for second overall in a big upset. I think he deserves uh, to run well with an average pace and something that slows down a bit as we get closer. Frankly, I think Promises Fulfilled is going to get somewhat ignored in the wagering. We go to Flame Away, winner of the Skidmore at Saratoga, the Bourbon at Keeneland, winner also of the Kittens Joy at Gulfstream Park, and also the SF Davis at uh, Tampa Bay. I like his most recent runs with scores of 101, 97, and 97 in his last three. Interesting, as I look through my stats, I kind of take a stab against him because before those three races, he actually scored a 90 in the Kittens Joy. And I'm thinking maybe Flame Away has already plateaued and I wonder if maybe a bounce is in order. So ultimately, I don't like this horse all that much. It's not somebody I would probably wager on if the odds were the way they would seem here uh, in the middle of uh, Derby Week. This is a horse who needs something of an average pace to win and who does his best running on the backstretch. So not likely to use Flame Away. Audible looks really good for me. Uh, Audible, winner of the Grade 2 Holy Bull and the Florida Derby at Gulfstream Park with two scores in the hundreds. Audible had looked very good with uh, his forward uh, pace and... I can ignore, for now, the possible bounce risk. 
The thing I note here is that he is switching jockey from uh, Velasquez to Castellano, with whom he'd won uh, previously, and also is gaining four pounds, seeing that he had gained six pounds in winning the Florida Derby, carrying 126 here should not be an issue. I think he is good to be uh, a 5-2 to two favorite. He is 8-1 to one in the morning line, and I am predicting here Audible is your Kentucky Derby winner for 2018. And to be sure that he will win, he will need a rather fast pace up front, and again, he will do his running, like most horses do, in the backstretch, and also might need that uh, pace to uh, slow down to something average for that to uh, take place. Number six is Good Magic, who won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and also the Bluegrass Stakes, obviously some major races uh, to be considered a no-doubt derby contender. He enters with, I believe, the fastest recent piece and overall pattern of uh, peace scores of this field. 105 in the BC Juvenile, 98 in the Fountain of Youth, and 98 in the Bluegrass Stakes. I think he's worth 9 to 1. Morning Line says 12 to 1. Sort of on my uh, borderline for uh, overlay status, but not sure. Could use him in my picks, but uh, I think he's good enough to finish uh, third. Definitely will have to consider him in uh, exotics and things. Good Magic is a, uh, a late-running type who does need a fast pace early that slows down somewhat toward the end. So much has been made about number seven, Justify, with three wins in three races, all over 100, uh, winning the um, Santa Anita Derby. I have no doubt in my mind that he is the true speed of the field, both pure and tactical. I have to wonder if maybe going from 104 to 114 takes too much out of his young sales and that he would bounce. And uh, that's kind of how I see this. But I still think he's worth uh, maybe 7 to 1, not necessarily uh, 3 to 1, as the morning line would suggest. So I could use him since most people will want to figure him as a favorite, but uh, just not for me. I don't think so. I think he's going to ultimately be maybe sixth in this field. He uh, also requires a fast pace that uh, slows down later, and certainly he'll take more money than usual, like with some other horses, but uh, one I can't ignore when playing with uh, the other... uh, value that I have going on here in this race. Lone Sailor is uh, number eight, who won his uh, second maiden race at the $83,000 level on a uh, sloppy track removed from the uh, turf, and uh, got to wonder why he's uh, in this field, but uh, did well in Louisiana Derby back on March the uh, 24th at this, at the distance of nine furlongs, which is impressive enough. He increased in his uh, pace from 83 to 100, and I kind of want to take a a stand against him uh, having uh, any shot in this field. So I'm going to ignore at my peril 
lone sailor. Not that he's an especially scary horse, but um, I just don't see it happening. He is a deep closer, relies on that one big run. Uh, again, with the majority of horses here, uh, fast pace early and uh, slowing to average later on. Number nine is Hofberg, second in the Florida Derby last time out, also increased big for the second straight time uh, to a large pace. So I've got to wonder if the engine's going to wind up uh, too high and for this horse to uh, bounce this time around. So I don't like Hofberg here in this uh, big race. I will respect the fact that he does... Uh, strong forward pace in his three lifetime races, but uh, I don't see it being sustained in this 20-horse uh, field. He is a, a late runner, and common uh, thread here, fast pace early, a slow pace required uh, late. Could get ignored. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I'll go the other way. I'm thinking he should take more money than usual like with other horses, and I think there has been some actual talk that he may be the wise guy horse of the field, but uh, I'm not convinced about that. I guess we'll find out, huh? Number 10 is uh, My Boy Jack, winner of the uh, Zuma Beach at Santa Anita, also the Southwest Stakes at Oaklawn Park, and the Lexington at Keeneland. He has scores in the 90s in his last Four races, I'd see him being insured from being a uh, uh, bounce-worthy horse. I think he's got some good pattern to him. Uh, did pretty well, running between the first and second call, gaining four lengths on the leader, and of course eventually winning that race. Uh, also, just doesn't measure up in terms of class. Um, I'm going to basically ignore him, I think kind of needs an average pace all through uh, the race, but uh, not somebody I'm going to consider as a contender. Go to number 11 and the highly touted Bolt Dioro, who I remember hearing had uh, some kind of an injury and he had to recover from after running the uh, Santa Anita Derby with a blazing 110 score, then after running a 98 in the San Felipe. 4-1-1 one, and one in his uh, six races lifetime. He's got the best average winning distances from his uh, pedigree, sire being Medaglia Dioro and the damn globetrot out of the legend AP Indy. One of five horses in this field who come out of a recent race where he has a small new top compared to his two-year-old best, and I find that to be a nice hidden sort of a stat, the kind that uh, Dave Litvin pointed out in his book on expert handicapping, so I am willing to uh, give Boltioro favorable look. I kind of like him, though, but not as one of my top uh, choices. I think he may be worth more like 29 to 1 than his uh, 8 to 1 morning line suggests. I think he will be middle of the pack, maybe about ninth in this field of 20. Also probably needs uh, a good average run to uh, be successful at all. 
neglected to tell you about my boy Jack and his pace. He actually needs a very fast pace, lightning quick, in fact, and then w wait for the pace to cool down a little bit, but still quick, before he makes his run, his one big run, to the finish. Back to Boltioro, I think he'll be among those who will take more money than others. Number 12 is Enticed, winner of the Kentucky Jockey Club and also the Gotham at Aqueduct. Enticed has the fastest run on Churchill of this entire field, a 93 score that was in the uh, Kentucky Jockey Club, in, as a matter of fact. Paired up his uh, two lifetime uh, best races, 104 in the Gotham and a 99 in the Wood Memorial. Possible bounce risk uh, from those uh, scores. A horse I like just a little bit, maybe 29 to 1. In fact, the morning line odds do say he's 30 to 1, so it's pretty uh, accurate there. And I rank him 8th in the field of 20 among my picks. He is a late-running type who needs a fast pace all throughout to have a chance. I think Entice actually will take some more money than expected. We'll go to 13, and that is Bravazo, who won a uh, maiden uh, event for the, uh, actually his second maiden race, then a 62K optional claimer to begin his three-year-old campaign, then winning the grade two Risen Star at Fairgrounds. Bravazo, um, not necessarily a factor to me immediately, but noting that he did bounce from 98 to 76 in the Louisiana Derby last time out, I'm actually rooting for him to bounce back in pace. And uh, he just might, but I don't see him as a viable contender. I think he depends on a very fast pace uh, in the early stages and then one that collapses later on, but not a selection for me. Mendelssohn. Well, you know, here's the part of the show where I tell you that I'm, I will, really wish that Brisnet and some other services properly uh, do chart calls of races so that those North America can be informed as to how horses uh, do outside of North America. He has done his running in Ireland and England for the most part, and of course, won the UAE Derby last time out by eight lengths. He raced only once in North America. It was a big one, winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Mendelssohn is 5-1 to one per the uh, morning line, and I don't have him in my selections at all. You have to respect, though, uh, the speed and the potential that he shows. He is one of those that I think did gain somewhat at his on his two-year-old best while at age three. So there is that. But there's just not enough evidence for me to uh, consider Mendelssohn uh, on Derby Day. Seems like he needs a very fast pace up, uh, all throughout the race to have a chance at winning. Uh, seems to be a bit of a late runner if he runs the way he did in the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. The only evidence I have regarding uh, pace parameters. So if Mendelssohn wins, 
maybe it's a wake-up call for the industry to see if maybe uh, there will be some movement along those lines for transparency. I think Mendelssohn will take more money than uh, all uh, other horses. Uh, I think will move the most of the others. So may well be bet down to being the uh, favorite, if not for uh, Justify. So that's the bold prediction I will make. And I kind of feel I would use him over my overlays, but that's how it looks for now. In still regard as number 15, who scored a 100 brisk net running third in the Los Alamitos cash call futurity. And then went beyond that with a 102 last time out, running fourth in the big Santa Anita Derby. In still regard, get respect from me for that uh, improvement on his two-year-old success. I think with that 102 running somewhat uh, wide throughout that race, I think I must look at uh, for having a very fast, non-winning trouble trip in still regard, must get serious consideration. I like him as low as 3-1. to one. He is considered 50-1 to one at the morning line. I think he is among the biggest of overlays in this field. Do I think he wins? Well, you know what? I'll put him in my top four. I w really will do that. He is a late runner who depends on a pace that's average in the beginning that slows down somewhat toward the end. I really like this horse and, again, should be in my top four. Magna Moon, number 16, winner of all four of his uh, lifetime races, including the, the Rebel and the Arkansas Derby, both, of course, at Oaklawn Park. I can respect his uh, forward progress with his races all between 90 and 100 in his speed figures. I do think he is subject to a bounce from his 99 number. And looking at my numbers here, I don't see him actually finishing in my uh, top nine. He is a horse who does his best running on the backstretch and requires a rather slow pace all throughout. He is likely to take uh, more money than others do, and I guess that's no big surprise given that he is undefeated. 17 is Salamini. Lifetime six races, one, three, and two are his, uh, his record. He has one win in the uh, aforementioned Cash Call Futurity, and uh, another horse I like just a tiny bit, but doesn't rank. Uh, at all for me in my numbers, nor in my top nine rankings. If you're curious about pace, uh, he is a late runner. Might need a somewhat fast pace early on that slows down just a little bit, but uh, I don't see him in my top picks at all. Number 18 is uh, Vino Rosso, winning his two uh, first two races. Third in the SF Davis, fourth in the Tampa Bay Derby, and winner of the Wood Memorial last time out with a big 102 score. This horse recovering in pace. Remember, he had scored 100 in the SF Davis first after layoff and starting off his three-year-old campaign. Tailed off to a 91 in the Tampa Bay Derby, and then back to 102 
last time out. I think that is actually a rather positive sign as he comes back into form. Outside of that, I think he lacks evidence in uh, attempting to win this race. He needs that one big move, though in this case, he actually depends on a rather slow pace throughout to uh, make his move. Go to number 19. That is Noble Indy. Three out of four races he has won, including the uh, Louisiana Derby at Fairgrounds back on March the 24th. Noble Indy, another horse who made a small new top compared to his uh, best at two, only in that last race. And I see that, uh, again, as some sort of uh, hidden strength. I also like him just a tiny bit in this race. I actually have him fifth overall, all things considered. I think he needs an average pace all throughout, maybe a, a pace that slows down just a little bit as the race goes on. Again, I like Noble Indy for fifth overall. Number 20 is Combatants, uh, one of the uh, one of those who got fewer points that just managed to get into the field. He uh, was a maiden. After his second race, he would run second in the Springboard Mile at Remington Park, second in the Smarty Jones, second in the Southwest Stakes, third in the Rebel, fourth in the Arkansas Derby. And his numbers are pretty consistent, all in the 90s, save for his... Uh, Maiden debut. A compelling choice. His uh, pace parameters are uh, certainly worthy of him to be mentioned. Looking at where I rank him, he actually deserves to be as high as 7th in this field of 20. I think he needs an extremely fast pace up front that collapses yet still be fast enough for him to make his move uh, relatively late in the race. I think he'll actually take more money than usual, even if he is ranked at 50 to 1. So there's something to consider, too. Finally, number 21, Blended Citizen. Uh, I can tell you I don't really factor very highly. Blended Citizen is the one also eligible horse that will get in only if someone scratches. He won the Grade 3 JR Stakes at uh, Tampa uh, Tampa Bay, actually. Is it Tampa Bay? No, uh, Turfway Park, pardon me. That's what TP says here. Back on March the, uh, 17th. I think he's actually eligible to bounce back in this race because he ran a 93 in the bluegrass. His prior two races, he scored a 100. I really can't, uh, see him, uh, even if he does get in the race, make much of an impact. If he does, he'll rely on a fast pace all throughout to win, uh, having to uh, circle the entire field with one big move to do just that. He's one of a couple horses that I think will be really ignored by the public and maybe worse than his 50-1. Uh, to 1. The only other horse I think that could get ignored in the wagering is uh, Promises Fulfilled. A recap of my top choices in this year's Kentucky Derby. Uh, I like number five, Audible, 
to win this race. Second, number three, promises fulfilled. Third, number six, good magic. Fourth, number 15, in still regard. Fifth, number 19, in noble indie. I like justify, number seven for sixth. Combatant, number 20 for seventh. Number 12, enticed for eighth. And we'll use Boltioro as my ninth pick in this race. If the uh, odds were such that I would think the odds would be fixed as they are right now, as per the morning line, I'd probably use the uh, two favorites, Justify and Mendelssohn, over my three overlays, Promises Fulfilled, Audible, and Instilled Regard. I would also play Audible, my best choice, over uh, 3, 6, and 15. Promises Fulfilled, Good Magic, and Instilled Regard. And again, I would use my overlays along with Audible with uh, straight wind bits. Should be, as always, an exciting uh, derby. We'll see how it all turns out. I close the show by saying thank you for uh, listening and for, uh, well, thanks for waiting as I come back around to doing uh, podcasts for this program that you'll uh, be uh, linked onto uh, anchor.fm, also the Internet Archive. And uh, I remind you, as I had done in previous shows, bet with your head, not over it, borrowing the famous off-track betting phrase. Thanks for listening. Best of luck if you do wager, and if you're just there for the experience, um, hey, by all means, have a great experience. Uh, Next show probably will be the week of uh, the Preak Mistakes in mid-May, unless there are other sports that... uh, dominate throughout. Again, the website is idealisticstats.wordpress.com See you out there. Enjoy. Enjoy.